hear my words and bear witness to my vow. Night gathers and now my watch begins. Beware, spoiler phobes. You have stumbled upon a storm of spoilers, a podcast about HBO's Game of Thrones series in conjunction with the Song of Ice and Fire books by George R.R. R. Martin. This discussion can expand to include any Game of Thrones relevant books, shows, internet extras, special features, teases, trailers, interviews, rumors, guesses, theories, and general crackpotitude. We're not ruining, we're enriching. After all, chaos isn't a pit, it's a ladder. You do not wish to be spoiled or are not caught up. Please stop now. The realm. Do you know what the realm is? It's the thousand blades of Aegon's enemies. A story we agree to tell each other over and over till we forget that it's a lie. But what do we have left? gaping pit waiting to swallow us all. Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Hello and welcome back to A Storm of Spoilers. My name's Dave Gonzalez and I've read 52 of the 62 existing Goosebumps books by R.L. Stein. My name's Joanna Robinson and I've read zero of the 62 existing uh, Goosebumps books by R.L. Stein. And I'm Neil Miller and I think I've read some of the Goosebumps books, but uh, my memory is fading because I'm old. And this is a storm of Goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, hear the words you have to recite to get Slappy to come and terrorize your family. Uh, No, we're here to talk about uh, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire books by George R.R. Martin. Uh, You just heard the whole disclaimer, but just, you know, I wanted to make sure that you guys knew you were in the right place. Because, spoilers ho, we're talking about episode 502, The House of Black and white. Uh, and I think I like to start things off with a theme. And although we had an email from our listener, Pat, with a theme, uh, the, the theme is like uh, di- dichotomy, black and white, different sides, right? I mean, it's just like Cersei's still worried about this prophecy and she dresses in a black dress and then we jump over to Marine where Daddy's in a white dress. I, that's as far as I let myself like go. I'm like, oh, it's right there. It's black and white. Uh, no. No, now I want you to. Well, yeah, I am down with it. Now you need to like Photoshop them in front of each side of the door, uh, in Bravos, and we're in business. Oh yeah, with like the negative sides. So yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Also, uh, with our uh, reveal, sort of with uh, Arya's storyline, which we'll get to in more specific ways. But I wanted to point out that once again, a cool black character ends up being a tinier white guy on the inside. Darth Vader, shout out. And. <laughs> <laughs> now we could pick up right from the right from the start of the episode because we're in Bravos finally, and uh, it was weird sort of for it to be left out of the premiere episode. I thought because everybody likes Arya, but seeing this introduction into Bravos, I'm like, oh, if I was budgeting a premiere episode of uh, Game of Thrones, I would want to push this and the dragon shot that we get at the end into episode two as well, so you could spend some extra money on it, and we get to know what Bravos uh, sort of looks like. But uh, yeah, she shows up, and I think our first notable difference that I think, Joanna, you also brought up on Cast of Kings is her list has been abbreviated. Right. Wait, can I ask you really quickly what you, like, what the budget information that you just gave me 
Yeah, so like Ince. if you're budgeting each TV show where it's like we have this many, you know, dollars to spend on like special effects for episode two or, you know, costumes for this season. If it's something you can divide up into episodes, having a like large entry into the CG Bravos and sort of that being our introduction to this uh, reintroduction to this place that we've only sort of seen for shady financial dealings, uh, I think it was worth pushing Arya into episode two. So do you think then like the Tyrion and Pentos, so, like what ate up the budget in the premiere, do you think? Um, Pentos or like... I don't know. See, there's, some, there's some of these things like freestanding sets and costumes and whatnot that you could kind of push around to different episodes budgets. But in terms of like large CGI shots, it just might have been other other things in the seasons. Plus, hey mom, get out of my room, dragons. Okay, sorry uh, to digress in that direction it was just interesting to me oh no that's just my first thought i could of course completely be wrong but i it made me feel better about uh not seeing aria until now it was like yeah. hey if you're gonna do it and do it big then i'm gonna forgive you for not doing it sooner i think we all agree that it was weird that aria wasn't in the premiere um so that's that's there a good is a lot reason. for her to do though in the like yes. there's a lot of story there i think it would have just kind of crowded what they wanted to do in that first episode that's, so. I think, the best thing I could say about this episode is I feel like, you know, I didn't get to see as much as I wanted, but um, uh, I don't know. I feel like things were happening in all of our plot lines, and each scene sort of logically led to the next scene in terms of what I wanted to see. So I can't really fault it for anything outside of being short and sort of, like, getting us in the direction that I wanted to be going last episode. If that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yep. <laughs> well, and this is another episode where, just like the first one, where the first time I watched it, I thought, man, nothing really happens in that episode. But once you really start to unpack it, like a lot of important things are happening kind of all over the place here. Yes. So, and Aria being one of them. Well, yeah. Our, well, none of it really is, from what I can tell from people's chatter online and from talking to you guys, none of it is super book. Uh, faithful this episode more so than maybe ever I don't want to say ever because I know last season we had some like we even had an episode called going off book but it seems like now we're just uh, completely jazz riffing on what we think our books uh, are meant to us uh, like with say season one or season two where it was basically spoiler territory galore I was one of our topics from Twitter actually should we all just burn our books at this point well, yep. no, that makes us Nazis. No, the answer is no, Neil. <laughs> oh, what? The answer is no. I've oh, seen Indiana what? Jones in the last yes. crusade. I was about to say that. That's what Hitler in Indiana Jones would do. Uh, My books are all in, like, the Kindle app, so I can just, like, delete. And it's safe. Know. Is that a Nazi thing? Like, is deleting a book from your Kindle app, <laughs> like, a Nazi thing? The modern, the modern day Nazi, the the like the I Nazi thing to do, the this I Hitler. Is questions. This is questions <laughs> for a different podcast. These are very important questions for a different podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, I do. I do want to talk about why Arya's list has been altered. Specifically, I want to talk about why they've uh, left out Berkendari and Thorsamir. Because that we're we're pro uh, Lady Stoneheart not being dead here at least for a little while, and it seems like that would be an important thing to remind people uh, could happen. 
that was one of my arguments last season as to like why I suspected it was still coming. Is I was like, why else have Beric Dondarrion and Thoris of Mir on the list? And once again, with this week's episode, I put too much like importance on why someone was on the list. So I probably need to learn my lesson that it doesn't. The showrunners are not caring as much as I do who's on the list, and they're like, that name sounds good. That name sounds good. The list seems long now. Let's make it shorter, you know, and not actually doing something intentional, probably. But yeah, Beric and Thoros being, and Melisandre being off the list. Like, I can, I can see getting rid of Beric and Thoros if they're side characters, if Lady Stoneheart isn't coming, if they don't want to deal with it. But Melisandre, like, the fact that Arya met her, the fact that Melisandre was on her list for stealing her, like, eye candy, Gendry, like, um, that, you know, she's a recognizable name. She should be on the list, I think. So, yeah. I don't know. Even though there was, yeah, that she shouldn't have necessarily met her if we were going by some sort of internal storm of, or song of ice and fire logic. So I could see why she would be left off. But yeah, I don't know. As no, another- if the show was going to like go out of their way and have Melisandre meet Arya and then have Melisandre be like, I feel like she said something like, we'll meet again or something. Like she said... She she was really weird around Arya. I mean, Melisandre's really weird about everyone. At least yes. she didn't ask Arya if she was a virgin. But, um, you know, just like <laughs> looking at her weird, saying weird prophecy things, it's weird to drop that seed that they planted. But they dropped I think seeds. it's um I think it's also entirely possible that the show writers were just like, oh, yeah, Arya is just like a teenage girl. Teenage girls just move on and forget stuff. So that's but, also possible. Well, but it's that's really so easy wrong, to just like because, wave off like... like that's not Arya, right? Arya it's is true. being a crazy, obsessive, you know, vengeance-driven weirdo. And that's why we love her. Well, a vengeance if, efficiency is coming, though. That's yeah. true. So. Yeah. Also, it's I I get why she's turned away uh, because she kind of shows up with a like, and now I'm here attitude. Which is not the assassin's attitude. I mean, okay, I, I, I'm rooting for Arya. She's probably my favorite character on the show uh, this episode. Um, but in terms of like an assassin in training, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a, the uh, be a little bit smarter about this uh, Arya. It, like it sort of seemed like we were gonna get like some sort of sword fights with the with the the boys, and it's like some badassery. But, like, after she had already given up and, like, thrown the coin in, in the ocean. Like, I guess she was waiting for a long time. But was, she was just going to, She like, lopped the head off a pigeon, dude. What else do you want? I mean, that was pretty sweet. That was, like, <laughs> the key Arya moment uh, outside of, you know, the pan around to pull off the faceness. But I, I don't know. I still want Arya to be a badass because we ended her with her last season. Basically, I don't know, leaving the hound in a moment of being cold. And there was, there was a warmth. There was a warmth of hope when the door opened the first time that I was like, "Nope, that's gone." And from Arya, but already by this point, I do feel like we're gonna get one really good Arya moment. And I, but I, I, I feel like a lot of what this season's gonna do is it's gonna kind of ease everybody into the House of Black and White and what the Faceless Men are all about, and because it's a kind of a completely new thing. And then we'll get one. I don't know, based on the books. Potentially very dark Aria moment late in the season. Are you talk- I mean, we're allowed to say, right? So you're talking about the blind thing or? Uh, either the blind thing or just like a really gnarly kill where she learns how to kill and goes and gives the gift to somebody. Because there's a couple of them in the books. That's right. I'm yeah. Down. I'm down for like some gnarly su- kill. Like blind, super dark The blind Aria. thing could be messed up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, do you think they're gonna do that as like a? I think they're gonna do it as a cliffhanger. So the yeah. show watchers are gonna be like, "Oh my god, is Arya blind?" Just like how they're gonna do Jon Snow dying as a cliffhanger sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, sorry, I just remember Neil's theory about that. I don't think we talked about on show, but when we get towards the Jon Snow stuff, Neil's Neil's theories are hilarious. And uh, they're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. and if they're right, people are going to shit. Yeah, we're all going to freak out. <laughs> if that happens and Arya goes blind, everyone's just going to freak out. People are just going to stop watching. My mom's going to text me and be like, I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> she does every season. <laughs> all right. Um, and then the kindly man was somebody we sort of touched upon last season about maybe showing up, but uh, I guess he's just replaced with Jack and Nagar, or is that who our blackface man is supposed to be in the first place? I mean, there's this whole thing with the House of Black and White where it's possible that he is the kindly man, he's just wearing the Jack and Hagar face because it will make Arya... I'm not sure how the show version of taking your face off is correlating to the book version where it involves like blood paste you know like it's a different art i think this is more like i don't know mission impossible mask mission impossible 2 mask or something like um because <laughs> uh, he didn't seem to ha- it's not like he took off that face had the jack and Kagar face underneath took off that face and then had something in his hand because his hands were empty yeah it's right? like some sort of crazy magic so yeah he took off the face and then the face is gone uh which is fine but you know we know that under jack and hagar's face is that guy's dude's face from season two so i i, I don't know i'm i'm confused uh, and according to this article that i read on vanityfair.com under that oh. face <laughs> is cereal pharrell yeah i like which that is theory. kind of a fun theory I mean, it probably won't happen. It's just fun to think about. And it's possible in the show world and not at all in the book world. But that's like one of those things where – and I feel like George R. R. Martin would get so mad. And I feel – I kind of feel like Dan and David would get excited about making George R. R. Martin so mad. I mean, I know they have an amicable friendship, but there's weird tension sometimes, I think, between like shit George R. R. Martin says about the show um, you know, so I feel like if they're like, well, you know what, buddy, you sign this over to us. So if Jack and Agar is Sarah Farrell for us, he is. Let's deal with it. I mean, That's- eventually we're going to have to cross that, that Rubicon, right? Because you, ha- you have to imagine that the show is not going to can't. It can't end the exact same way that George R. R. Martin writes the books. He's not going to watch the show and be like, oh, that. Yes, I'll just write about that for chapters and chapters. Well, I mean, and that's what he's already started to do is he's like, I've had a new idea and the TV show has already written itself into a corner and can't do this idea. So it's just going to be mine. So you have to still buy my books. It all makes me sound like I don't like George R. R. Martin. And I do, actually. I like him. I just feel like he's dealing with the this devil's bargain that he's made in not the most graceful way sometimes. Where he's like, let's do a movie. They're like, we're not doing a movie. He's like, but what if we did a movie? They're like, we're, dude, George, we're not doing a movie. And he was like, I still think they're going to do a movie. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I willed this into existence at HBO <laughs> just by being obstinate. Why can't I do other things like that? <laughs> so, uh, Well, I, I would like it, it to be Serio. That's the sort of like full story circle I would like it to make. But then my question just becomes, why is he there in season one if these are assassins? Like, why? Oh, yeah. The, like, Serio being the first sort of Bravos 
and also an assassin doesn't add up. So in the book world, it doesn't add up. But if there's like some, I don't know, mysterious. Okay, so so for people who are listening who didn't read what I wrote on VanityFair.com, which is fine. Um, you know, there's like a prevailing book theory that because it's kind of racist, actually, because Sirio's from Bravos and the faceless men are from Bravos, then maybe Sirio is a faceless man and maybe he's actually Jack and Hagar. It doesn't add up in the books. They like the timeline doesn't quite work out and a lot of other reasons it doesn't work out. But in the show, in theory, it could. You never see Sirio die. So there are all these likes, you know, just like we're Lady Stoneheart truthers. There are people out there who are just like, Sirio's still alive. He's coming back. He and Benjamin Stark are going to like tear up some shit together or whatever. Um, but yeah, so the, the point being, what if, let's say, there's some, like Arya has been marked for greatness by... I don't know, the Faceless Men or something or some whatever. She's a chosen one. And so they sent Sirio to train her. And then they kind of had Jacken look after her for a bit. You know, like, it's sort of like this people are watching her sort of thing. I guess my, my, my preferred version of that story would be the whoever is under Sirio's face was sent to King's Landing for a reason and discovered that Arya was important. That might be better. I like that better. Just because it's like, you know, we already have this sort of like everybody's been waiting for Danny to cross the fucking ocean and take a shot at the throne. It would be weird if like also someone was like, that youngest Stark girl is the one I'm going to put my money on. Well, there's also the Azores, uh, 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 whatever. Anyway, there's like a, a couple different like uh, Neos running around the joint, I think. So, you know. Is it weird, though, ones. that they all seem to want Stark children as their chosen one? It's like the children of the forest. They were like, hey, Bran. Bran's our yeah. guy. And then the, the, the faceless god may have chosen Arya. And then I think at least two or three are trying to get Jon Snow. Yeah, so well, they yeah, all want the little, sure. they want they want that stark line something yeah. in that blood Solid. yeah well we're not gonna go based on the episode then we're gonna go based on theme and jump to the wall <laughs> where everybody's after the stark blood uh especially uh stannis who puts up you know okay the, so back to talking about the game of thrones telltale game again uh john snow shows up in that and is voiced by kit harrington and he's talking to my forester guy who's taken the black but is secretly planning to steal away for my house's own purposes, which basically makes me like the worst uh, Night's Watch person ever. And so it's always <laughs> weird talking to the John character because he's always asking you about your vows. And like having watched the show, I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure when it came down to like your little choices, you didn't know what you were doing either. I'm just flying by the seat of my <laughs> pants here. So uh, during this scene, as a show watcher, I was like, hey, this Stannis deal isn't that bad. I would uh, be like, all right, Black, whatever. I'm a Stark now, and uh, you guys aren't going to be able to do anything to me because I'm just going to take, I'm going to run the north. Stannis is going to run the south. I would have done it. But that's why you're not a Stark, because John is uh, well, Ned's okay. son, even though he's not his son, but he's his son, and he's choosing the honorable thing to do, right? I mean, yes, he had sex with Egret, which is breaking his vows, but did you see her? She was hella cute, so that's okay. But, like, in you know, he's, he's swung back towards, you know, being honor-bound, right? They're, they're both honorable things to do. It's just one is to an oath he took, and the other is to the, the people, like, the name he loved. 
But like, yeah, this is, it would totally be honorable to run down and be like, well, I wasn't going to be a Stark, but then this crap happened and the Boltons moved in. So yeah, now I'm, fuck it. For me, I don't know. Maybe let's, I guess honor is the only thing that's binding any of these characters together. So maybe I shouldn't treat it so cavalierly. But do you what, think, what, yeah. I have a, I have a, I have yeah, a question. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that the whole egret thing sort of blew up on him and then like by, by, Going against his vows, being with Egret, maybe he feels responsible for the fact that she died ultimately, which only strengthens his resolve oh, that makes to his sense. Night's Watch vows now. So yeah. now it kind of hardens him. So that's why he took um, on uh, Ollie or whatever. Is his... Yeah, so that's why he when Stannis is like, I'll make you a Stark, he's like, ah, I'm not going to fuck with this again. Like, he's like, this. I've had my, youth, my youthful indiscretion. My, that went poorly my fling last time. with rebellion, it went very badly. Yeah, I've so learned now what he's sex like, gets you. I, I tried to Donny Brasco my way into the wildlings. It didn't really work out well. It's, yeah, um, it's dead because of it. Yeah, like everyone who remembers or who actually witnessed the the girlfriend is like basically dead. Oh, anyway, so yes, John uh, John's uh, now going to be our Night's Watch uh, head in a, what I understand to be an extremely abbreviated voting process. Yeah. Um, that might have taken taken a bite out of Sam. I think so. Mm. What do you think, Neil? Like, do you think Sam? Uh, still a little bit. Still- you know, there there is very there's a lot of like in the books. It's a lot of Sam as like Carl Rove, like making things happen behind the scenes and like being a shifty dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the show's version of Sam uh, is is a sweeter character than that. Oh. I think, and That's a good point. so. It it makes sense for that character in the show. Well, I mean, other than hashtag efficiency is coming, uh, it makes sense for that character to give this like big profound speech. And I mean, he still sort of he still got today. his his Jenna Slint zingers in, you know, yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> which is really good stuff because that guy, I mean, he's the got, worst. He's got everything coming yeah. like that. He's the worst dude. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm glad that he he got his. Also, someone looks like a muppet. He does look That's like a muppet. Also true. <laughs> he does look like a muppet. Someone said someone said to me that they thought uh, the election was truncated because the actor who played Dennis Malister died, which he did. Uh, but I don't see how, honestly, logistically, I don't see how that you know because he was there in that scene. So I, I don't see how that's. I don't think it they were ever going to do like weird. a long. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not show showy TV at all. It's book. Yeah, it would have been weird to like introduce a bunch of new Nights Watch characters. Yeah, and then have them be part of just this one thing where it's like Sam's trying to get all these people to like switch and vote for John, and it's a bunch of people that we don't care about. You know, <laughs> like we know that Ed is going to vote for John if if he has a chance. Right, and Ollie. And Ollie, and we Damon. know that and we don't know any of the other know. dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Like, those are all the people we care. Know. They're all going to die soon anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, what does it matter? Well, if they're not going to give us new characters for a weird who's going to lead this debate here, then I'm never getting the King's Moot that apparently is so boring I don't want it. But I kind of want it now because it's going to be you get like boring. I think if they do the King's Moot, it'll be next season, and yeah. it'll be like the length of this year's flashback scene. <laughs> it'll be about five minutes at the beginning of the season and be like, oh, cool. That guy that is guy's dead. Oh. This person's in charge. That person's going to Danny. Done. Yeah, done. Um, yeah. So what, what was I going to say? 
if they had done the big long election, though, I, I'm trying to think of how I would have wanted it done. And I almost would have wanted like an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, like a montage where we just see Sam at like various parts of the castle, like talking to different people and planting seeds and just wheeling and dealing. Um, you're right that but he's only not if a- one of them is Josh Charles. Oh, definitely. Maybe Amy Schumer's there he's, too. But like, he's like um, the litigious Night's Watch dude from the other castle. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Sam, I don't know. I think viewers is warm to Sam, but for a while they were really down on Sam and I didn't like that because I didn't think that they were really translating well his his strong suits but but he was very good in the battle last year so i think people are coming around to him yeah he was good and he speaks up here and he uh, is reading i don't don't know if that's important but i do want to talk about the the grayscale (laughs) conversation that happens while he's reading uh because that seems like a lot of time to spend uh talking about something Right? No? Did mm-hmm. my TV yeah. watcher ears perk up for no perk up for no reason? No, that is I mean, especially knowing what we know about how the show is really cutting back on certain stuff, like it it seems that there's greater importance on the things that they spend five minutes talking about as opposed to just little mentions in passing. So I did notice that as well. Like the grayscale thing, um, but I don't, kind I don't of describing them as like dragon people almost. Well, then it's it's, yeah. it's in two geographic places mm-hmm. that we know of because the wildlings to what's Jilly Gilly talks about it, and Your so sisters, it seems yeah. It, yeah I don't I don't know. Is you're you're right, Neil. The reason my I paid attention is because it seemed like a lot of time spent in an episode where like we were in Bravos and they were dragons and no. Oh. No, um, well, I I think that it has less to do with what they were talking about than who was talking, because I think we've talked before about my theory that instead of Mance Raider's son, which we're not going to get, Shireen is going to be like the child in peril at the wall, Mm -hmm. and that's why they're making her so sympathetic. So making her like a nice girl who teaches people how to read and has had, you know, like I think they're just really building up the sympathy for Shireen. So you remember who she is. So that's why they take the time. Well, but why those people? Because if you're just, if you just put me in a room and you're like, we need to feel good about Shireen, I'd say put her with Davos again. Like that's adorable. Uh, maybe she needs other people. I mean, let's, let's say that she is a child in peril and somebody's going to have to try to save her. Yeah, maybe she Sam, needs somebody because Davos. Yeah. yeah, Davos isn't going to cross Stannis again. He he only has so many fingers left. Right. Um, <laughs> but Sam and Gilly might, or Gilly yeah. might, Sam and that Gilly. would actually kind of lead to their story in the books. Yeah, yeah they have to get they, out of there eventually, right? If they still they end up need doing a reason that, to leave. Yeah, I think it's a concerted effort. Honestly, I bet it's like John and Davos and Sam and Gilly. Working to, I bet Davos Save behind Shireen the scenes. and send her off with Sam. Yeah. Like, Davos behind... I, I agree that he's not going to cross Stannis to his face, but, like, you know, like, with Gendry... Putting Gendry in a boat, you know, like, I feel like he could be somewhat involved in smuggling her out of there. He is a smuggler. Smuggling her out of there, and uh, and then, yeah, Sam Gilly also, sail off in the sunset with her. It is also Shireen, and his son blew up, so maybe she's worth the rest of his fingers. Um... Maybe. That was one of my favorite Liam Cunningham moments ever where he was just standing there with his little stump fingers like 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> like Janice is like, you know, ask Davos how I deal with people who cross me. And then he just like was dangling his little stump fingers. Yeah, which is great uh, because, you know, that means that Stannis makes this illusion a lot. Enough yeah. that Davos knows when it's coming and knows to get his hand out from behind yeah. his back. <laughs> he's ready to dangle. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's building. He's building to the look again. <laughs> And, we gotta uh, do our little thing. Yeah, yeah. This is our bit, and um, and for book readers, of course, having um, the Leanna Mormont letter was like a nice little nerdy nod mm-hmm. to book readers. I thought so. I liked that, and the same with the Sam and Gilly uh, Shireen scene. You know, to get talking about uh, you know um, Ostrich Stark and you know all that sort of stuff. That you know, and the Grayscale conversation. Yeah, like build up sympathy for Shireen, but also let's talk about Grayscale, which is. A thing from the books and y- you know i just i think it's smart storytelling why was Oscar start important or is he was he just color was he a fun thing piece of history to bring up like uh whatever joffrey was talking about in the, the i Dragon don't think Skulls. there really was an ostrich stark was there ostrich in the books ostrich. I, 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 I bet it's a name of like someone I'm i bet it's look a background up, name though. okay look it up ostrich but- <laughs> Not like a living character, historic. You know, Sam's reading histories. Right? That would be hilarious if they, uh, in, in with all these books existing, we're just like. Also, let's just make up a Stark for this scene. That and would George, really piss him off. <laughs> George R. R. Martin tears like a tuft out of his beard. He's like, yeah. ah. no, you my family so, trees, and then he tears down all so his many real trees. characters to choose from. No. Oh. Oh wait, I think it's Osric. Oh, Osric. That's right. Does he exist in the books? How stark. Nope. Um, oh, man. I don't think so. A I don't new, know. A new Stark. Well, somebody I'm sure knows off the top of their head and will correct us at Storm Spoilers on Twitter or <laughs> Storm Spoilers at, at Gmail. Yes, Ostrich Stark is real. He was a Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, according oh. to A Wiki of Ice and Fire. He was one of the 997. <laughs> yes. Are there names for them all? I think that's that's the bigger question here. Is of the nine hundred and ninety seven before Jon Snow, is there a list of all of them somewhere? Yeah, and if not, uh, uh, can we auction our names onto that list? No, and what Sam says is exactly what it says in the book. He was named Lord Commander when he's only ten years old, but served for sixty years. And it's so wait, from, Sam's reading the book. Basically, he's reading a Feast for Crows. I think. That's hilarious. Yeah, Sam has has book four of A Song of Ice and Fire and it open in front of him in that scene. So. <laughs> Someone let him finish it. <laughs> so you're like, wait, some of this seems familiar. Ah. Uh. It's, the ne- it's the never-ending story. We're going to see like the Orin on the cover or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, still at the wall. Um, Eamon votes for John, and he's Lord Commander. And I was kind of expecting this to happen in the premiere, but like I said before, this episode seems to just allow a single plot line to go through a location in a really uh, nice way outside of the Bravos and Marine stuff. But in, in, in that sort of field, the middle of this episode is this ball of goodness between uh, Sansa in the middle of our map and uh, Cersei in the lower part of our map, or I guess Brienne in the middle part of our map, even though I think that these two characters uh, will reconnect after they get thrust apart this episode. But Brienne and Pod stumble across Sansa and Littlefinger, and Brienne gets uh, turned down by her second Stark child. Uh, somebody brought up, I, it was probably one of you guys before we started recording, 
that uh, the fact that we're even talking about uh, uh, Catelyn's vow and whether or not it's important to Brienne is a point in the maybe Lady Stoneheart is going to come back around. Uh, Everything is an important point in the fact that Lady <laughs> Stoneheart is coming back. Every little detail. They walked across rocks at one point. And I was like, Yeah, they did. Yes. Yes. They're in the woods. They keep showing the woods. Yeah. Well, Someone I mean, said Mordhart. I was ready for come on. it. Yeah. This is a good payoff for last episode where they just had that one panning shot, and I was like, you coy motherfuckers. Or I guess that was harsh language, but uh, either way, <laughs> just for like getting these characters so close and not letting them do anything, it was nice to see them uh, end up in the same restaurant. Uh, even though I was strangely distracted by Brienne just being like, go get a horse, Pod. And I'm like, if that was easy in this time period, you think like everybody would have a horse, but I digress. Uh, this yeah, but ha- Pod, then that shows how like useful Pod is because he got a fucking horse. That's a good point. He did. He's a great squire. I love him. And like in enough time to make a timely escape. So, it's so um, funny. I was just thinking, uh, this is the first time that this thought occurred to me and, I'm, and I feel bad. Uh, about it, but like when Pod was making eyes at that tavern wench, I totally forgot about his like ladies man uh, skills that he has. Yeah, totally forgot. I thought it was that like poor oh tavern wench. Yeah, she's the real <laughs> she loser. Missed in she missed out, man. That sucks. <laughs> Do you think uh, Brienne would respect him more if she knew? Uh, Do you think Brienne would want to try it out? No, 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 no. What would happen is just sort of like, a, you teach me to be a knight, and I'll teach you how to be smooth. And then that would be our spinoff series. <laughs> um, what would it be called? Uh, the Adventures of Brienne and Pod. Very, pretty good. Uh, no pain, no gain. I, I was, that's what I was thinking. Something uh, with pain. Something with pain. <laughs> pain, pain and gain. We something. were going for puns. <laughs> Bring the bring the pain, something like that. Beauty and the pain. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think back on topic here for a second. <laughs> yeah. I Sorry. think it's I, I do like that they you know, this is another one of those things that just does not happen in the books. Um they sh- I don't think in the books Brienne even really knows where Sansa is or ever. No. Uh so yeah, I think it's it's nice that they're continue to give Brienne and Pod something to do because we have no idea what yet, Lady Stoneheart, but the show eventually <laughs> is going to use them for something important, which I think brings us to even more interesting stories and theories about like our larger theory about the Grey Wedding, our theory about why they killed off Mance. I think we've talked about this where it's like, what's the purpose of keeping Brienne and Pod around, assuming that there's no Lady Stoneheart, assuming that Mance is really dead? they could have a role to play in whatever goes down at Winterfell, yeah. which I think is... It, wanna, so it's good to keep them now? engaged. We've been alluding to this different yeah. colored wedding. Maybe this seems like just, a good spot for it. Yeah, so maybe someone's uh, just well, laid this out. Wait, actually, really quickly, though, like, people... So the premise of this podcast, right, is that we talk about the show with... This, so you might have to edit this out. With book spoilers. But we don't know in the show yet that they're going to Winterfell, Right. That we find out next week. I think we have inferred last episode that we expect um, Sansa to take read, the chain pool spot. I read this article on VanityFair.com. Yeah, but that was a spoiler warning, right? <laughs> that it is in our title. 
All right. Okay. Okay. They're going to Winterfell. I don't consider that a leaked spoiler, and it's my podcast. Moving on. Well, it's true. It's true. We did. Okay. We saw Sansa at Winterfell in the trailer, so I'll allow it. Right. So we know that Sansa's going to Winterfell. We can infer that uh, she might take the place of. Uh, Jane Poole, since the show likes to recycle characters instead of introduce new ones. And because this was also suggested, about the name, yeah. Yeah. This Little was Finger. also suggested by one of our readers on Twitter, which I thought was interesting. Great. So that our new favorites, and, and like she and um, a lot of actors have been alluding to this like crazy, very upsetting thing that's going to happen this season. And they might be like just hyping it. Uh, to you know, keep us interested. Well, or... which, which actors? It's it's it is. Well, it's it's interesting because adding Liam Cunningham. I read Liam Cunningham today, so adding him to the mix is interesting because that adds Davos. But it's, um, you know, uh, Alfie Allen, so Theon, uh, Sophie Turner, so Sansa. Um, I don't know if like Brienne has ta- if Gwendolyn Christie has talked about it, but definitely uh, you and you and Roan. The yeah, plays Ramsey. so so Ramsey. So we know that those people are involved. Uh, now knowing that Davos might be involved is interesting to me. Um, but our theory is that, or our hope, right? Our fear. <laughs> our fear <laughs> There's is that, multiple levels. Yeah, our fear is that Sansa fear. will be in peril and we don't want to see that because we like how Sansa far Sansa's come. We don't want to, you know, she almost gets raped in the third book and doesn't. And so we, you know, and the shows get that and I'm glad and I don't want them to like deal with that. But if they are going to like unwisely go back into rape territory, I want there to be some like very gory gone girl ending where Ramsey Snow gets his throat slit in bed, either by Sansa or Brienne trying to save her or I don't care who does it. One of those ladies would be preferable, though. And that's what we're referring to when we say the Grey Wedding. We want there to be some nasty... Oh, we know, and we know from Entertainment Weekly that there's going to be three weddings this year. So we know it's um, Tommen and... Yeah, Tommen and Marjorie, presumably Sansa and Ramsay, and then uh, Danny and his dar, probably. Oh, yeah, Danny. I was yeah. her. Yeah. So anyway, oh, oh yeah. So so <laughs> if if Mance is not going to Winterfell, everyone's like, oh, can Mance really be dead? I don't know. Okay, so if Mance is really dead, not going to Winterfell to play like stealth assassin like he does in the books, then maybe Brienne and Pod could like lurk around the outskirts of Winterfell and randomly start killing Freys. That I would enjoy it. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm down for everything about that. Sorry, have I yeah. rambled? No, no, that was, that was exactly what I wanted you to do, which is lay out this thing we've just been alluding to. Okay. So that's this is a, this is probably the only acceptable non-Stoneheart situation <laughs> for Brienne and Pod for me. Like this well, is the only way that I'm just like, oh yeah, I can th- thank God you didn't do Lady Stoneheart because this is way better. Um, I don't know if it's that quite yet, but this at least is acceptable. Well, and also the more information that Brienne has, the more uh, weight she has to get Lady Stoneheart to stop from killing her later on, right? It's another fun one. Yeah, like, like she I, knows, she... I saved your daughter during her wedding to the, the, the yeah the Boltons. That stopped me in my tracks. Well, also um... now she just knows that Sansa is alive, whereas in the books. She doesn't really know. She may whisper and that Aria. at the end. Yeah, but now she has, uh, you know, she absolutely knows that both of them still well, exist. Th- so I thought George R. R. Martin confirmed 
what the word she said was, which was sword, right? That in the books, Kat gives her the option to die or go kill Jamie Lannister. And oh. she says sword, meaning she chooses to go kill Jamie Lannister. Mm. Mm. That's something that George R. R. Martin has said in like events and stuff like that. So. But she's not going to go kill Jamie Lannister because we learned something interesting about Jamie Lannister in this episode. Sure oh. did. What? <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> that he's going to Dorne, uh, and then he and Bronn together will sort of take the place of like the Aerys Oakheart character from the books, who's obviously not going to show up. Oh yeah, Dave, is this where you want to introduce your character from the book Boneyard? Yeah, I think we should call it the Boneyard, but I think it, you know, at some point in each show, we should take stock of characters we're not going to see anymore. Probably not this episode, because we're kind of toying with the name. But yeah, book character Boneyard? Who'd we lose? Who are we never seeing on on the television? Sir Eris O'Cart. Sir Eris O'Cart and uh, Arian Martell, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we lost a whole Martell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't. We haven't been we, to Dorne yet, and we lost, we lost Martell. We we lost like one of the sexiest Martells. Bummer. Um, cool, cool, <laughs> sexy lady. Oh well. Um, yeah, we'll get her brother instead. I'm sure it'll be just as good. Um, or I guess Alaria is sort of taking her place, but we'll come to that. Yeah, that's that's more the the thought that I get. Is that Alaria is the driving force because she's a familiar character? Exactly, and that's our and introduction can, to Dorne. Yeah, yeah, and we can easily understand why she's so pissed because right. she really liked Oberyn. It seems like, like everybody else. Oh, yeah. well, she, I'm actually talking about the show watchers, not everybody in the <laughs> in the fictional world. But yeah, I, that's it's really easy to get on board with her side because I liked Oberyn so much. But she seems really bloodthirsty for uh, where we left her, which seemed more traumatized. But if that's a reason because she needs to take the place of other characters that I didn't care about in the first place, I'm okay with it. I spent a really long time digging through the sort of book reader complaint board on um, a wiki of ice and fire uh, on Sunday or yesterday, maybe. And um, that was the number one complaint was like the, what they deem the character assassination of Ilaria because she has a speech in the book where she talks about temperance and mercy. Like she is a voice for for mercy in the book. So to flip her entirely is a huge change for the books. But I think it does make sense for the show because if you're a show watcher, you don't want to zoom over to Dorne. You have to meet like Tristan, Arian, the Sand Snakes, you know, Ariahota, Dor- Prince Dorian. It's too much without like an anchor of some sort. So to introduce it with this character we know from last season who has a very understandable motivation, which is she saw her lover's head go squish, you know, makes sense to me from a show watcher's perspective. So... Well, yeah. and I think it's less of an assassination of her character and more of just a reappropriation of that character. Like, they needed connective tissue in Dorne. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise it's completely new until, um, assuming Jimmy and Bronn make it there, uh, until they get there, it, there's no characters that we know. Does anyone else get, like, a Tom Cruise vibe off of uh, Nicolette Coaster Waldo? Because he's wearing this, like, sassy leather jacket. Uh, looks you know, good in that jacket. Yeah, as they, like they're gonna go adventuring, and he's like, "Yeah, he just reminded me of like Tom Cruise when he wants to ride a motorcycle." Do you know? It just looked like he was in Mission Impossible mode or something. I liked it. His and second up. only, uh, second only to Sam's speech is the way the actress who plays Lawless just uh. dresses him down with her eyes. She was having undresses him. Yes, she was having all kinds of. Um, Jamie Lannister fantasies 
Lawless Stokeworth was my fave. I loved her. (laughs) That scene might be one of my favorite scenes of the episode, just for, like, they're fine with each other, and he's not really happy, but he's going to kill the sister, so he's fine with it, so let's take a walk. Mm -hmm. It's just exactly where I wanted to rejoin Bron. And I'm glad that uh, he's back on board. Say I didn't get his castle, but it didn't sound like he was going to get it anyway. Team, so he's on Team Lannister, which is, I don't know, is that the place you want to be? You want to be on Team Lannister? Well, I think he's he just a, on Team Fun at this point. <laughs> team team Rescue a Damsel, I guess. He's like, ah, I guess Dorne sounds fun and Jamie's okay, so I'm on Team Fun. So there's a big conspiracy theory that I've heard cooked up, I guess it's probably just from show watchers not book readers, but I did want to talk about it here, which is, I'm, I, if you listen to A Cast of Things, I mentioned this whole thing about Marcella's necklace, and I was not trying to stoke up any sort of conspiracy theory, but, like, the fact that Cersei's like, there's only two of these necklaces in the world, I have one, Marcella has one, and then I brought up that Roz had one, and Sansa has one, and there are actually a bunch of them. Um, and so then everyone was like, oh, Cersei, Cersei put a serpent and a necklace in a box to you know, in order to manipulate Jamie into going to Dorne. Uh, yeah, so that's a fun conspiracy theory that I don't really buy into, but it is kind of fun to think about. Like, she's hoping that Jamie go. She's still mad at Jamie. Let's mm-hmm. let's flesh this out a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah. she'd have, to, she'd have to do it because she wants him to act like a father, but she knows that he can't, so she needs right. to push him. Mm-hmm. Maybe she she's wants hoping her that Jamie doesn't make rescued. it back. I don't think she's i don't think it's a suicide mission i just think that she wants her daughter back and so she's like all right i'll concoct this elaborate thing so that jamie will get you know light a fire under jamie's ass and get him to go uh the other evidence is like why and this is something actually dave chen brought up why would cersei like reassemble that box <laughs> And make Jamie open, you know, like... And make sure it's facing box. away from her this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make sure it's facing the right way. This side up, you know, uh, put that, you know, put it all back together so that Jamie's the one who has to open well, it. Well, here's, here's our first, it, did they mean this to be hard to read question. Uh, were, are we supposed to think about that when we see the box fall apart? Are we supposed to be like, ooh, box fall apart? Are we supposed to be like, wait a minute, she she had to reassemble that if she knew what Oh, was exactly. In. Oh, I completely agree with you. That it, the show is just like, this looks cool, let's use this. Also, let's say this necklace thing, even though it's not true. I mean, I, I don't think there's a real conspiracy there. Um, I like Neil's further conspiracy theory that, like, Cersei is trying to long way around murder Jamie via <laughs> <the> mission. <laughs> Yep. Well, uh, and I think you know what this says to me. This the all of this theorizing really shows how well the show has sold like who Cersei really is to the audience. The fact that we just do not trust her. Yeah. Like one hundred. This is could very well be a very earnest situation where she's just like she got this bad mail and now she's scared for her daughter and she needs help and she calls the one person that she can trust to go help her, but. Our minds instantly go to, she's playing him. She's playing him. This is all a ruse. She's trying to, well, she's trying to screw somebody. Uh, later, yeah. Uh, yeah, later on, she's messing with the council, and we still have that prophecy over our head. And it, it totally makes sense that she would. That plot is so Cersei. Yeah. And we also, yeah, we also know that Cersei works in like crazy, mysterious ways. You know what I mean? Like, we, this is not a spoiler. This is a book thing to say, you know, the fact that she like, 
tries to control the sparrows in order to take down her enemies and then loses mm-hmm. control of them and it all sparrows out of control. Like, that's so Cersei, right? So, you know, the, <laughs> the elaborate kill my brother lover via mission to Dorn theory <laughs> is not so far-fetched, I guess, in context of that. So No, you, I mean, you got to imagine she's just trying to preserve her children and her position at this point. I'm not even sure. I mean, her house is beyond saving, right? Mm-hmm. She she is the house. There's not another well, also, that I know I'm missing. Yeah, and it also does kind of go with the theme of all the King's Landing stuff in this episode, which is Cersei pushing away the other Lannisters, the reasonable ones, because Jamie, for all his faults, still a fairly reasonable dude. Uh, Kevin Lannister, probably the most reasonable Lannister. Yeah, so she's, you know, pushing these people away so that she can uh, not nec- not just control the throne, but protect Tommen from these people that you know. But it's also may bring yeah. logic into the equation. Yeah, and also that she lived under the thumb of Tywin for so long that she's like, cool, now I'm big boss fucking Lannister, and <laughs> I will do as I please. And if you naysay me, Kevin, you're gone. And if you try to reason with me, Jamie, how about you go to Dorne? Like, and I will take care of everything, because I definitely know what I'm doing. I just need another glass of wine, and then I'll figure it out, and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. That's actually pretty much Cersei in a nutshell right there. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. Let me have this glass of wine. I'll be right back. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I got this. <laughs> back on the council. So we have uh, Tyrell as a master of coin. We've got some bank stuff coming up. Is this somewhat important to manipulating the small council in the sense of, like, I don't know. Or it's probably just isolating more, more Lannisters. She, we just want Cersei yeah, at the I top think, and no one capable of touching her. I think at this point she's just trying to surround herself with people who will say yes to her. Yeah, sick of fans. You know, and- Kyburn's really her guy, clearly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and the other ones are too afraid of her to say anything. Right. So we'll see. What was the, what was the iteration of the small council when Ned got there? It was Littlefinger, Varys... And mm. oh, Stannis, right? Like that was that oh, was like yeah. an all-star team. Renly, no, no, Renly. Renly. Oh, Renly, Renly, Renly right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so, good. like, that was a good small council. This is this is although like, not as good as the small council where it was. Um, oh, Tyrion. Tyrion, Varys. Varys. No, no, Tywin, Varys, Littlefinger, and Oberyn. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Oh, that's mm. a pretty good one. Not or any or anyone. Or anyone where Tyrion can drag a chair like slowly around a table is a good small council, in my opinion. Good small council <laughs> meetings. I don't. Know, I don't know. Are we judging based on whether or not they actually did good for the kingdom? Because that's they're two different things. Well, I think Littlefinger was the most effective master of coin. Yeah. Well, he, he had to be. Other other than the fact that he probably hid all of this debt that's going to mm-hmm. come rolling. Oh back. yeah, he definitely like screwed them, but. Oh, oh how they, oh how they coasted while they did. Um, <laughs> Good to be a yeah. Baratheon. But I, I do want to say that Mace Mace Terrell was my like is one of my favorite comic relief characters of all time. I love him so much. I love the way that actor. Such a goober. Yeah, <laughs> like he gets so like fluffed up and pleased whenever Cersei like. <laughs> blatantly bullshits him it's so good um oh oh, he's a character wait wait i'm seeing a vision it's a cartoon character it is the fat king in sleeping beauty oh 
not King Stefan, but the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then at the end, some drunk loot player is going to be under a table. Yeah. Uh, I love I mean, that. Sorry, that's that's Tyrell in my mind. Um, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, 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 this is totally unimportant, but I wanted to share it with you all, which is that three, I think three separate times now, I've looked on IMDb to make sure that the actor playing Mace Terrell is not the little boy from Mary Poppins grown up. Oh, my um, God. Next time, you wa- no, next time you watch Mace Terrell, think if maybe he could be Michael Banks from uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> I mean, if if Pycelle can be in Star Wars in Indiana Jones, you know, if Julian Glover can get around, then then maybe Maester Al can get around too. <laughs> this alternate universe that we're building up is quickly populating with interesting characters. Sorry, we're way off topic. Well, and all the Game of Thrones people are in the new Star Wars, so there's uh, that. Uh, oh, so we. <laughs> I don't think our spoilers go all the way to Star Wars, but yes, eventually <laughs> we could probably talk about that. Oh, uh, but yeah, okay, King's Landing, we're good. We're on our way to Dorne. Uh, we talked about Lawless. Are we? Are we all the way to Marine already? We can meet a Marine. Did we talk I about do... Dorne yet, though? We didn't. T- I have I don't know to we say about Dorne. about Dorne. We just started talking about. We, we talked we talk about, about Alaria. Yeah, Doctor Baltar. I do no, think no, that no, my no, favorite, no, 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 no. Doctor Bashir. Bashir. It's oh. not Gaius Baltar. Oh, but, yeah. they, but they do look similar. They do look similar. And I yeah. get those that two guy who played Baltar could totally be on this show and it'd be great. Oh, yeah. It would be awesome. All right. Go ahead. Um, there's just a little moment that I love after Ilaria is done giving uh, Prince Doran kind of the how the long business. you lead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um the look that the dude who plays Ario Hota gives him while he's like stroking the axe, the do, do you need me to go kill that bitch look? <laughs> yeah, and then it's, Prince Doran's like, not yeah, yet. There's like, no, no, we're good. <laughs> That's like my favorite little moment between two yeah. characters because he's just like, I could do it. Like, I'll just go do it right now. Like, that yeah. pretty much sums up their whole relationship, which is like, hey, whatever you need, including, you know, her, I'll take her out. Yeah, so. And- and Great. Prince Doran's like, maybe soon, but not right now. Yeah. You're yeah. not quite there yet. Next time. We'll get her. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> really good scene in terms of introducing a character I was not expecting to even mildly care about. And then, like, instantly, both because of Wait, Deep Space one? Nine. Oh, Gout, Gout King? Oh, Doran. Gout of Gout. King. <laughs> Gouty Pain. Yeah. yeah. Well, he can't be gout pain because then he's the villain of our Brienne and Pod team. Right, that was that was oh, yeah, joke right. on Twitter, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that gouty pain is like a, a long lost sibling of Illin Pain. Illin Pain and gouty pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else is Illin Pain and Pod? Are they related? Yeah. How? Like distantly. Oh. Not like super. It's not like they. I don't think they grew up. So get it here. I'll look it up right now. But like, it's not like they, you know, grew up in the same household or anything like that. But they are related. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, house of pain. What are you gonna do? House of pain. He's relative. Oh, he's just a relative. And distant cousin. The, the wiki just says, yeah, relative. Distant cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's sad. Uh, well, now I, I have jump around like, stuck in my head. Thanks a lot, but- guys. But, uh, yeah, House of Pain would be the best uh, spinoff name ever. But, like, Leanna Mormont, right, is, you know, just zooming back to that for a second, right? She's 
Jorah's first cousin. So she's not a right. distant Mormont. She's like first cousin to Jorah. Um, anyway, just thought I'd bring that up. Isn't she okay. also like young? She's 10. She's 10, yeah. Oh, nice. I would love the series where we had enough time to look at that story, but I don't think... She has excellent uh, penmanship as well. For a 10-year-old? She wrote that note herself. Absolutely. She and Shireen should hang out and, like, teach penmanship and reading They would be buddies. Yeah, they'd be besties. Oh, Oh, man. Okay, is that where you want them to flee to (laughs) instead of across the river? Oh, my God. How fun would that be? They go to Bear Island. We're going to take you to Bear Island. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) <laughs> You're gonna have a friend. All right. Anyway, uh, Marine. Marine Volantis. I think if we're done, we're done with Westeros and on to Essos in terms of our discussions. Yeah. So briefly, we saw you know back on. I didn't mean to. I, I think I thought I was being clever with that box thing, but then I forgot that like Varys makes his whole speech about boxes. So like Varys is the one who actually put that box idea in my brain. But uh, yeah, you last know. you yeah you brought that whole back like forward an entire episode but no one noticed so you got all the credit last week uh, yeah <laughs> but, but it's actually Varys' great idea about the symbol of boxes and being in boxes and separating yourself and all this sort of stuff it was really which i really liked i mean i um conleth hill is is just the best but yeah they're on the way to volantis which is interesting and that's it for Tyrion and Varys. just a quick check-in why, mm-hmm. why is that interesting just that we're going to, I mean, I knew from the trailer we were going to Volantis, but uh, there's been a lot of questions about how Tyrion, you know, how Tyrion's journey is being abridged. Hashtag efficiency is coming. And, um, you know, so would he even go to Volantis at all? What do we gain by going to Volantis? Um, why is Varys still around? Why is, you know, wh- what role is Varys playing in all of this, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll presumably get to see that in the next few episodes. But um, it's a location that I feel like, given the characters that they've cut, it's a location that in theory they could have cut. Um, we, should have, uh, we should just, like, lay down fake spoilers for everybody. Be like, and then we start our five-episode trek to Volantis. Get used to this set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then surprise, young Griff shows up. No. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. <laughs> and then Drogon lifts them up and flies them to King's Landing, and you will not believe the finale, guys. No, that's all wrong. And uh, he changes his name to Yolo. It changes Yolo. Drogon that's in the books. No, Tyrion. Oh, he changes one of his aliases is, is Yolo. One hundred percent Yolo. It, like we're not oh. fucking with you right now. Wait, you're not. Dave, right Dave this is like. This is, like, exactly the kind of thing we would say to fuck with you, but we are not fucking with you. Yeah, especially coming out of my, like, whole discussion about how we should fuck with people. I'm very, very paranoid about this right now. He really does. He one of, he takes on multiple alias, aliases in his trip to, well, in his travels in Essos, and one of them is YOLO. Oh, my God. Which I've YOLO, always found hilarious. The, like... If that happens on the show, do you know how many T-shirts will pop up on T Fury within twelve hours? Oh, it's like, already it's already like a book reader internet meme. Um, oh, so this seems to be adapted to a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It exists. Um, this, if it happens, it, this is going to be our season five T-shirt. It's, it's going to be a Yolo. <laughs> I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Tyrion some... on a dragon. Yolo. <laughs> We, we should do that anyway, guys. <laughs> yeah, we we have a lot of good T-shirt ideas already this season. I like I still like our cold hands around a stone heart. 
Yes. Maybe with like some sort of caption, like sometimes the books were better or something like that. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it all out. Burn your books. They burn your. They will, no, that's the Nazis again. That's the I Hitler. <laughs> Don't do it. No, delete your books. Maybe, but then we're getting meta, and people will have had to listen to the show. Speaking of which, we should probably talk about the show we're actually talking about in Marine. We get our whites to our black queen, uh, who Danny White Savior actually has some problems, as Joanna talked about on the cast of Kings, but more specifically here, she's trying to get out the, the what, the, she's trying to root out the Sons of the Harpy, and uh, decides to give a guy a trial, but slave dude that we were introduced to last season briefly, and then was on the small council, uh, goes against her wishes and kills him, and then she has to behead him, and the crowd turns against her. That was quick, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming at this point it's like Thursday and you guys have at least watched the episode twice, listeners. So, yeah, I'm fine with all of this. I was more interested in her talk with Barristan Selmy and learning about her own father just because that yes. sort of stuff interests me more than, I don't know, the unwashed masses. But... uh <laughs> Just the just the idea that uh, man, you would be a crap ruler. Like no honor, no no feeling for the for the people that you're that you're supposed to be protecting. I think I'm a, I'm a realist. It's very Stannis. I'm a, I'm a realist. Yes, I'm a Stannis esque realist. It's like I thought we like, decided you're a little finger. Aren't you a little finger? Well, I mean, I'd be plotting a little bit, but I'd like to think I would be Stannis in the sense of my public face is like, hey, I uh, was the brother of the king. I'm the living Baratheon with a direct line to the throne. Why am I not king? I'd be frustrated by similar things. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I probably We were also, talking about King Eris. Who we were talking about King Eris, which is a story I never tire of hearing other people telling just him being crazy and burning people with dragon fire. But it also gives uh, Danny an important uh, moment of doubt, I think, in a season, or in the past few seasons, where basically since she turned her dragons loose and got her army. She's just been steamrolling over everybody. Well, yeah, now she doesn't have her her WMDs. Her her dragons are not under her control. Um, and so her authority is shakier. And she has her own sully, but they're getting picked off because they keep hugging prostitutes. And, um, yeah, it's not, it's not a great time to be Danny. I think. It's a precarious, precarious position she's put herself in. Um... I like them talking about Eris. I like any time they talk about the old Targaryens. So, Yeah. And well, eventually we're going to have to get a big download about that, right? Assuming Jon Snow is who we keep assuming he is. Right. Well, they have, they have done a good job. If, if we all ascribe to R plus L equals J, they've done a good job of continuously bringing up both Lyanna and Rhaegar, I think. So... Mm-hmm. I think we got uh, actually yep. a question about that on the p- Twitter based from the uh, the wall uh, vote. Is Does Master Aemon know that he's voting a secret Targaryen in to be the Night's Watch, the head of the Night's Watch? Here's, you know what he I knows bet? what that guy knows. I bet Master Aemon knows fucking everything. Go. Master Aemon knows everything. He's also Daredevil. He is also <laughs> daredevil <laughs> worst crossover ever neil <laughs> he's old daredevil old daredevil like super old like uh, anyway yeah he might know i mean who knows he might know well i mean okay I let's know. say he does know right <laughs> mm-hmm. uh 
win that effectively by like voting him the head of the Night's Watch? Doesn't that basically like end any future line? Just like just like he is no longer a Targaryen, Jon Snow basically is no longer a Targaryen. Is he hiding him? Or is he putting uh, him in a position where he could do the most good for like the realm, just it's on the wall? He might. I mean, he might be hiding because his general modus operandi has been like, yeah, the Targaryens didn't work out. So I mean, that's he's why. He's basically here. a secret Targaryen. Basically. I mean, yeah. everyone knows he he's could, a Targaryen, but. He could also just be. You know, he could know about John, and he could also just be like, he's special. He's meant for leadership. He has the blood of the great leaders in him, so he will be the best person for the Night's Watch. Um, or he just thinks he's a nice kid. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Well, it's interesting that we see John make a good decision here. Did we see uh, uh, Daenerys make a, a good decision with the, the beheading? Mm. I think I agree, and I don't think I would ever say this, but I think I agree with his dar, which is that if she was gonna kill him, she should have just done it quietly. <laughs> <laughs> I do Agreeing think- with his dar. I know, uh, but that's maybe one of my favorite Dario and like M- Michael. Oh my god, so many Chrisman good Dario or whatever. Moments. Like, yeah. like sold the hell out of that line when he's like, "That's what I've been saying she should do for you, to you for." Months or whatever. I don't know. My, he gets my... all the best stuff in this episode. He does. Dario is very sassy. His stuff with um with Grey Worm is awesome too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stabbing a wall for sure. Their little True Detective season three routine is really great. It's great. <laughs> it is great. Except like yeah, he's like the anti Matthew McConaughey, just like positivity and happiness. He's like, <laughs> I learned everything in the fighting pits. Say. Um, I do think back to your original question about um, does Danny make the right choice? Yeah, I think regardless of whether it's the right choice, it is another one of those the show pushing the audience in the direction that it, we ultimately need to go type of thing. Similar to the flashback informing where Cersei's going to eventually end up this season, like why she's so crazy. Um, you know, Marine. In order to get to where Danny's story kind of culminates in Marine in like book five, uh, Marine has to really be in chaos. Like she, it really has to kind of blow up in her face, and then she has to get really desperate and do some stuff that she never would have done if she still thought she was in control. So um, I agree, so I think and it's very important for for it, her to be the catalyst of this. And efficiency is coming. Um... Like they got there pretty quickly. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, Marine is already in chaos, uh, and it takes like a goddamn enormous book to get there in the book series. But like, you know, That's within so two much episodes, this way. yeah, it's so much better. Within within two episodes. You know, people are brawling and throwing shit at Danny. I mean, that's it, it, chaos is here. So nice. Now we just need. I don't know. No, she's got Barristan Selmy. She needs some slightly better advice. She needs one more good advisor. Someone well, short, she needs a, maybe? <laughs> well, she I needs mean, one really good advisor for when she comes back to Westeros, which I think is theoretically um, why Tyrion and or yeah, why Tyrion and Varys are heading there. Right. Like I don't they they don't know anything about the Marine stuff, and I don't think that that matters to them. Yeah, yeah. Right, Var- Varys will be like, "This is all very well and good, my dear, but let's let's uh, chop chop, let's get on the right. dragon. We got and, other and shit to do, yeah. guys. Yep." Bigger things to do. Oh, no. And then Danny's going to be like, no, we got to stay here. Oh, I don't want to see that scene. 
Boo. <laughs> <laughs> to boo all of this. Yeah, but boo she's a theoretical scene. Yeah. But like but like if if we want to continue with our dreary like Marine is Iraq and Danny is America or whatever. Like you don't want her po- like causing chaos and then just piecing out. That's, but that would be accurate. I'm sorry. That's uh, a minority opinion. <laughs> no, no, I agree that it's accurate, but we're like, that's not an admirable. We are not rooting for her to come there, fuck shit up, and then just be like, uh, bye. You know, like, that's, that's not a great attitude. Right? Well, I mean, we're not rooting for it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Yeah. Because it's like, what, think... what, what are they going to do? Solve slavery on HBO? But what if they did? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? You know what my greatest fear is, as both a book reader and a show watcher, is that... Spiders? Yeah, spiders. Uh, white spiders, actually. Um, but my, my, um, my ultimate fear with Danny's storyline is that it will end with her just never making it back to Westeros. Like, she gets herself too deep in Slaver's Bay, can never really get out of that, you know... And she just sort of her, yeah. What takes her down is like and that's she, just it. Yeah. Like everything else happens on the other side of the world, and it involves Jon Snow, and it's whatever. But it, you know, the idea that that she has this great quest, you know, it's similar to like Rob Stark. He had this great quest to go and rescue his father, but he got sidelined all along the way, and then he then he made a mistake and got killed. Yeah. I so, mean, like, Danny's story could be very similar because that's just sort of George R. R. Martin's thing. The only thing that would keep me from believing that is because it's a TV show and she's closest to the dragons, you feel like those dragons are going to be in the finale. Probably with Danny. That's Maybe. just a TV. That's just a TV thing. The same how I started this episode, which may, might mean we're rounding out. But budgetary-wise, you want those eyes on those dragons, which is how this episode ends. With, uh, I believe our Twitter account put it as uh, Mama came home to do some laundry with, uh, <laughs> with Drogon showing up and just hey, sort of Mom. saying hi. Yeah, hey, don't touch me, though. <laughs> and, then, and then away he goes. Um, yeah, I think that feels like a good place to leave off. Is there anything that we missed? I mean, there's some Twitter stuff like, well, we see the Brotherhood again that I think we'll be talking about as people move throughout the map. Um, but is there, is there anything that you think we missed specifically for uh, episode two, The House of Black and White? Oh, there's a YOLO gif on the top of our doc now. Yeah, I put that what? there for you. That's <laughs> nice. I'll put this in the show notes for everybody so you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think so. No? We're good? All good. right. We well, covered The House of Black and White. Yeah. We're excellent. in like Aria. Good, good job, team. Uh, let's talk about where we could read more of our stuff about Game of Thrones and other things at the internet. This week, we'll start with Neil. Uh, you can read my writings about Game of Thrones and other movie stuff on filmschoolrejects.com or follow me on Twitter at rejects. Joanna? Uh, you can hear me talking non-spoilerly about Game of Thrones on A Cast of Kings. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Uh, you can find me on VanityFair.com most days. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA70. You can find my podcast at FightingInTheWarRoom.com, which includes this one, The Thought Bubble, Fighting in the War Room, and the links to this thing about Legend of Korra. But that's over. Don't worry about that too much. I write on Forbes.com, Latino-Review.com, and Geek.com. And you could find us and all of our back episodes at Fighting in the War Room. 
slash gotspoilers, fightingtheworm.com. I keep forgetting it's like a website, and I can't just assume you guys all know it's a .com these days. You could buy lots of weird things. <laughs> uh, and on Twitter, at Storm of Spoilers, and you could email us at astormofspoilers at gmail.com. I think it's just storm of spoilers at gmail.com. Just right? storm of spoilers yeah, at gmail.com. Just storm of spoilers. <laughs> Send it to both, and somebody will be getting some special emails from you, listener. <laughs> That's like our uh, the Cast of Kings Twitter account is at a Cast of Kings, but there's a band called Cast of Kings, and I'm sure they get, and they're just at Cast of Kings. I'm sure they get weird tweets from our listeners all the time. Anyway. Oh, good. I mean, yeah. I also learned there was a Thought Bubble UK. There's a lot of things. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you next week on Star Wars Spoilers. The Night's Watch is the only thing standing between the realm and what lies beyond. Winter is coming. My queen, about to serve you, obey you. I know what you intend. Do not. I see the faces of slaves. I free you. Take off your collars. No one will stop you. But if you stay, it will be as brothers and sisters, as husbands and wives. I am the dragon's daughter, dragon's daughter, and I swear to you that those who would harm you will die screaming. I am the dragon's daughter, dragon's daughter. You shall have a golden crown, men shall tremble to behold. And I swear to you, I am the dragon's daughter.